following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Kent Maddox here with my dear friend, Bishop Kyle Searcy from uh, Fresh Anointing House of Worship in Montgomery, Alabama. Kyle Searcy is not a stranger to you, I'm sure. Uh, he's a great man of God in the state of Alabama, and it's been an honor to know him, work with him, serve with him in the state of Alabama, but God's used him all over the world. And we just appreciate him taking some time today to share a message and to, to minister to us. So, uh, Bishop, say hello to everybody and kind of let us know what's on your heart. Hola, hola, my friends. How are you? And uh, <laughs> blessings to you, Kent. I, I, I have so much love and respect for Kent. He is such a, a, a changer, a, a guy. When he touches things, they just change and morph, and he's just so cutting edge. So I thank you for inviting me, and I'm just so honored to be a part, just a small part of all that you guys are doing that has a huge kingdom impact. Uh, we're going to hear a bit of worship today from uh, your, con your congregation, your church. Uh, I've been able to be there with you live, and so you're going to be blessed today in just a few moments as we get to hear at least one worship uh, song from uh, Bishop Kyle's church, and they are some worshiping, powerful folks. You're going to love that, and then we've asked Bishop to share a message. You want to just take a moment, give us a teaser, Bishop, of what you're going to be talking about today? Sure, would love to. You know, God's really been talking to me about simplicity, uh, about getting out of complexity, about how so many people carry burdens and weights and mindsets and paradigms and things that just constantly weigh us down. I really think one of the primary warfare strategies against us is to keep us uh, in a place of complexity where we never visit simplicity. Uh, and Jesus was a master at taking complex things and boil them down, boiling them down into simple things. And I think that to the degree we're able to declutter our life, just kind of get uh, emotions that we don't need to carry off of us and get mindsets we don't need to have off of us and, and just divest ourselves of things that are robbing us of energy and robbing us of precious life, then the more life we have to give to God and to other people. So I'm going to be sharing four or five, six, seven little quick ways that we can actually simplify our lives. And more importantly than our lives is our mind, our heart, our emotions, our processing, our thinking, so that there's a lot more room for God and a lot more room for key relationships in our life. So that's where I'll be going. We're very excited about that. And uh, Bishop, I really feel that's a word from the Lord because I know in my own life, during this pandemic, you know, as difficult as this has been, it's also been an opportunity for us to kind of re hit a reset button. And one thing for sure, I've realized that I could do life a lot better uh, if I could just simplify some things. And so we are very excited about your message today. We want to honor you, first of all, of course, for being who you are to us in the state of Alabama and, of course, to the world. And thank you for this great church that you've raised up there in Montgomery, Alabama. And thank you so much for taking time today to share with us. And so we're ready to receive the message of simplicity. So we're going now to uh, hear some worship uh, from this anointed church and then hear the message from Bishop Kyle Searcy. So watch this and be blessed. Just before we go to Bishop Kyle's message, I wanted to take a minute and share two important things with you. Number one, we're going back on campus live March 5th, 6th and 7th for our first transformational weekend of 2021. Friday night worship, 
Saturday morning evangelism to the streets with worship and prophetic teams, Saturday night grow meeting at 6 p.m., and then Sunday morning, 9 and 11 for worship. And I'll be sharing a message on vision, where do we go from here? We're excited to gather back on campus, and we're excited about what God's ready to do in Word Alive International Outreach in this season. Second thing I want to share with you is simply say thank you for your continued generosity while we've been ministering online. You have continued to support and give so fast it's allowed us actually to quadruple our reach of congregation through online ministry and also provide resources for storm victims, continue to supply food to our local community and all the other ministries that's going on here. I just want to speak a blessing on those that have been giving and also give you an opportunity to give again or those maybe for the first time. The way to give is online. And I want to speak a blessing from Genesis 26, 12 that says, In the year of famine, Isaac sowed and reaped in the same year a hundredfold return. He began to prosper, continued to prosper, and became very prosperous. And so we want to bless you today and bless your giving and thank you for your generosity. Let's go now and hear Bishop Kyle's message and also some anointed worship. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it. So be blessed. God bless you, Word Alive. I am so honored to come and just share a couple of words with you. My name is Kyle Searcy, and I just want you to know you have one of the best leaders on this side of the Mississippi, probably on the other side too. Haven't been over there that much, but uh, Kent Maddox is amazing. I thank God for he, his wife, his team, his staff. You guys are cutting edge. You're doing so many wonderful things for the Lord. I'm just honored to spend some time with you and just share a message God's laid on my heart titled Simplicity. God's really been talking to me and dealing with me about simplicity. And I think Jesus called us in a simplicity. In Matthew chapter 11, when he came teaching, he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. What Jesus was doing is he was calling us to simplicity. He was actually declaring the difference in simplicity and complexity. Come to me. You're way down. You have you burdened. You got so much going on. Your life is complex. Come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You'll find rest under your souls. I'm gentle. I'm humble. I'm meek. Come to me. I can simplify your life. That's what he's doing. Isaac Newton says this, the nature is pleased with simplicity and nature is no dummy. Da Vinci, Leonardo da Vinci said, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Steve Jobs said, this has been one of my mantras, focus and simplicity, but simple can be harder than complex. And Paul said, the core of beauty is simplicity. Paul Coelho said that. Now, God deals in simplicity. God is a God who deals in simplicity. In fact, the greatest commandment was summed up in basically two commandments. You know, the Pharisees came to him asking him, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? He said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Then he said this, the entire view of the law, the demands of the law, the prophets, everything they said is based on these two commandments. You got to be kidding. You mean to tell me if we do these two things, we have to read everything else they said? Well, you ought to read what they said. We've got to read everything in the Old Testament, the canon, the Torah. But really, everything is summed up in these two commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And everything Jesus said is summed up in these two simple commandments. The law, the Old Testament law is summed up also. Micah 6, 8. Know, O people, the Lord has told you what is good and what the Lord requires of you 
to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Again, if you do those three things, everything God commands in the Old Testament is settled. Christianity, my friends, it's simple. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunningness, his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Christianity is simple. It's about simply, simply uh, the simplicity of being devoted to a person. It's really about devotion. It's really about love. And Paul said Christianity is simple. It's loving Christ with everything you got, but the serpent wants to come and come, make it complex and take your minds away by craftiness. My friends, we must embrace simplicity. Paul talked about simplicity. He said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I really hear a call for all of us into a place of simplicity. And I think it's the whole concept God's brewing together to cause our life to be more simple but more effective. Don't think for a minute simplicity means we'll get less productivity. Don't think that it means we'll be less effective. Don't think that it means we'll have less of an impact in the kingdom. Simplicity can be much greater. Nature is simple, as I quoted you a little while ago, but nature is amazingly effective. So what I want to do for the next few minutes is just give you some guidelines towards simplicity. How can we begin to simplify our life, simplify our emotions, simplify our minds, simplify the way we use our energy, we spend our energy? What are some ways we can do that? Well, number one, we need to learn to quiet our soul. There's a psalm I absolutely love, penned by David, Psalm 131. He said, Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty. I do not concern myself with matters that are too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Indeed, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for his mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. That psalm blesses me. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters that are too great for me and too awesome for me to grasp. And how many of us are burdened and troubled because we concern ourselves with matters that are too great for us to grasp? We take on burdens of everybody in the world. Social media has connected the entire world where in a moment of time we can take on burdens from somebody halfway across the world and our life is so complex. It's complex by feasting on news all the time and just the various things we do. But David said, my eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters that are too great for me. I let God be God. Uh, he said, in fact, I've quieted my own soul. My soul is like a weaned child that no longer cries for his mother's milk. You ever seen a little baby that finished either the whole bottle of Similac or finished mama left and right, empty, baby's full. They just kind of coo up in your arms and you just kind of coo and relax and usually they fall asleep because it's like they don't have a care in the world. That's the way God wants us to live. And David said, I've chosen that. My heart is not haughty. I'm not proud. My eyes are not lofty. I'm not exercising myself in matters that are too great for me. I've quieted my own soul. And my friends, we must learn to do that. Quiet our soul. Get the negative emotions out of our soul. Get that crap out of our soul that keeps us always burdened and depressed and down. We could affect that. We could fix that. I'm going to show you some ways to do it in just a minute. So we have to learn to quiet our soul by not taking on more than we're meant to take on. Number two, we could reevaluate what gain really is. Reevaluate what gain really is. First Timothy chapter six says this, yet true godliness with contentment is in itself great wealth. Oh man, that's powerful. True godliness with contentment is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing into this world and we can carry nothing out of it when we leave. I just heard a, a little message on Facebook or YouTube or something by Denzel Washington. And he said, you've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. 
When you leave, you actually leave all of it. And this is what the verse is saying. True godliness with contentment is great wealth. I've seen people that are so incredibly wealthy, yet they don't have peace. There's no real sense of life there. They may have substance, but they don't have life. And godliness with contentment, with a sense of peace, is great wealth. When you're at a place when whatever you have, you have peace, because the blessings of the Lord make rich, but add no sorrow to it. So rich doesn't mean stuff. Rich means stuff with your soul whole. Or it could mean a, a whole soul without a whole lot of stuff. I've traveled all over the world, I've been to countries and seen people living in abject, abject poverty, but let me tell you, they were wealthy. They were rich. We have to reevaluate what gain really is. Is gain just more stuff? Do we just have to keep on keeping up with the Joneses? You don't know who the Joneses are. You never met them. Come on, the guy down the street uh, adds onto his house, so now you got to add onto your house. Somebody else got a new car, so you've got to get a new car. You're working two, three jobs. Your, your family's a mess. You're messing up your home because you're just working and working and working, either trying to please God when God is already pleased with us by grace or trying to keep up with somebody else. Listen, we have to really reevaluate what gain truly is. It's relational, and it's contentment with whatever God has provided. We need to hear that in America today. We need to hear it around the world today. Reevaluate what godliness what really is, what real wealth and real gain really is. Here's the third thing that can help us to keep our mind on eternity. It says in 1 Peter, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in prayer. When we keep our mind on eternity, it has a way of causing us to really transcend. What if you felt that this was your last day on earth. I'm not prophesying that by any means. You've got a lot of life left ahead of you. I'm not saying that, but what if, you, what if that was reality? How would you spend this day? There, you would not worry about what somebody said about you on Facebook. You would not worry about who unfriended you. You would not worry about the little petty things that occupy so much of our mind. You know, the same thing can happen when we keep our eyes, our heart, our mind set on eternity. It has a way of dialing us down. We don't deal with the trivial. We don't deal with the mundane. Only those things that are really weighty vie for our attention. We have uh, at the base of our brain something called the medulla oblongata. I love that phrase. And it blocks out things that we don't want to focus on in our conscious mind. And we could block out so much more little crap that vies for our attention, our energy, our health, the love we ought to give to God, the value of our relationships if we keep our mind on eternity. Because 10,000 years from now, some of the stuff we're worried about is not going to be the issue. Man, somebody bumped into my car and scratched it up. That is not going to matter 10,000 years from that. Now, you don't need to lose any stress over that. Somebody's lying at me at work. Yeah, it'll be all right. God will bless you even if you lose your job because he's got another job for you. Come on, the little stuff that we deal with, and I'm not saying everything we deal with is little, but there is some stuff that's so little that we just continue to let occupy our heart. We have to keep our mind on eternity. It can simplify our life. I'm living for eternity. I'm living for for, for there, over there. I'm living for when we get to that place where we're, we get a reward for all that we do here. Let me give you another one. Well, I wish I had time. I'd unpack some of these things. But hear me in the spirit. Here's another one. Lay aside every weight. Lay aside every weight. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded with such a great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight. I love that word, strip off. Strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. You know, Paul the Apostle is often using athletic analogies and he's talking about a guy who runs track or a girl who runs track. Nobody goes to run track with football gear on. You don't go to run track loaded with a lot of things. You lighten yourself so you could run. And Paul's saying in the same way, lay aside every weight and the sin. 
Weights could be things that just slow you down, things that are not sinful, but they are not expedient. I've, I've laid aside a weight this year, something that's not sinful, but I just realized TV just does not have a lot to offer me. Now, every now and then I might watch a game or something or a portion of a game, but I said, you know what? Netflix is not worthy of hours of my time. The news is not worthy of hours of my time. It, it, it does not edify me. It doesn't benefit me. And I've just kind of walked away from that a little bit and left it alone. It's not a legalistic thing. It doesn't make me automatically, you know, better, but it gives me more energy, gives me more time. It helps me. It was a weight in my life that I laid aside and I just left alone. So the Bible says weights and sins, lay them aside and simplify your life. Some people overdose on the news and be, by overdosing on the news, which is a constant barragement of the worst of humanity, it puts us in a place where we're not even free in our soul to love God. We begin to see problems in a way different from the way God sees them. Elevate to God's perspective whenever you hear something and see it from his eyesight and don't adjudicate without getting his mind. What are the weights and sins in your life and mind that we need to begin to press delete on? That can greatly help simplify our life. Here's another one. Mind your own business. Oh, you didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? Learn to mind your own business. First Thessalonians chapter four. Make it your goal to live a quiet life. There it is again, minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. The scripture has a lot to say about the day. You know, time is an illusion in some ways if you think about it, it's an illusion because yesterday's gone and tomorrow hasn't come. All we have is right now. So all we have is now. It's now that we need to think about, not what happened before, not what's going to happen tomorrow. It's right now we have to begin to consider. So listen, I say it to you again, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business. So we need to focus on now, focus on what's before us, focus on what's in front of us, focus on what, 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 what God puts before us. The Bible says sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We need to mind our own business and not uh, worry about what's happening with everybody else in the world. You know, just so many things we encumber our spirit with. Let's only carry the burdens that God gives us and not the ones that he hasn't given us. Amen? Here's another one. Strive for the right reasons. I love Ecclesiastes 4.4. Then I observe, he said, that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless, and it's chasing the wind. <laughs> oh man, we have to strive for the right reasons. You know, I've seen people again working two and three and four and five jobs, never having time with their family, never have a time to serve. Even in the church, people just working, 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 always doing something, never having time to value the relationships that matter, relationship with God, relationship with family. I am so glad you're beginning, beginning to do something about that. I'm glad that you're being, being handed one of the greatest gifts that you ever have, and that gift is responsibility. Here's another tip. You wanna simplify your life, change your thinking. Philippians 4, and now dear brethren, Sisters, here's the final thing. Fix your thoughts on that which is honorable, that which is true, that which is right, that which is pure, that which is lovely, that which is admirable. Think about these things. These things are excellent and they're worthy of praise. You can't really tell what you're thinking about by thinking about what you're thinking. The only way you can tell what your thoughts are is by checking your emotions. Negative thoughts breed negative emotions. When your heart's down, when you're messed up, your thoughts are somehow affected. And Paul's saying, think about the things that are true, that are honorable, that are just, that are lovely, things that are worthy of praise. Keep those things in your mind because it will greatly, greatly simplify your life. Here's an, another tip. Major on the most important things. 
major on the most important things. I love Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power. Don't do that. Or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness in the earth, that I delight in these things, says the Lord. Powerful verse. We have to begin to change what we focus on, change what's in our heart, change what's in our mind, change what we, what we consider important. He said, don't let the wise man boast in his wisdom. Don't let the rich man boast in his riches. But if anybody's going to boast, I want you to boast in this, that you understand me, that you know me, that I'm unfailing in my love. So you wake up in the morning and say, is God still with me? Is he still for me? Am I still on his team? Is he still on my side? Then I got everything is going to be all right. I know him and he knows me. He knows my name. Like Tasha Cobb sings, he knows my name. And because of that, everything's going to be our right. simplify life. Get up. God, you're still here. I'm still here. Life is going to be okay. Yeah, this might need to be tweaked and this might need to be changed. And this guy over here has got an attitude and my brother's not. But God, do I know you and you know me? Then it's going to be all right. We have to get to the place where life becomes somewhat simplified. Oh boy, find your one thing. Here's another tip for you. Find your one thing. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after. I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. You ever met Jack of all trades who masters none? Let's find the one thing and give tremendous amount of our energy to that one thing that we have and let other things go. We have to press delete on some things if we're going to maximize our time. And here's one of the last things I'll share with you tips for simplifying your life. Remind yourself that he is God. Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored in every nation. I'll be honored throughout the entire world. Hallelujah. You know, several years ago, I was called to preach, actually about 34 years ago. I was a senior in college and I've always been a very wired personality, type A guy. I fasted probably 14 days just asking God for the message. God, it's my first sermon. I wanted to be great. I wanted to be good. And I just, just quieted myself and I wanted to hear what God said to me. And he gave me Psalm 4610. He said, preach on, be still and know that I'm God. I thought I was preaching to other people. I didn't know I was preaching to myself. And it's 34 years later. And you know what? God's still preaching that same message to me. He's saying, hey, Bubba. Hey, boy. Hey, Kyle. Be still and know that I'm God. That word means cease striving, relax and let go and know that I am God. The amount of energy we spend, the amount of emotional, emotional currency we waste on issues we can't change, we can't fix, we can't do anything about. In fact, the Bible gives us a prescription for those things. Philippians 4, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And if you do that, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart. So what do you do when something's bigger than you? You give it to God. Isn't he the God who said, cast your care upon me because I care for you? 
God says, I don't want you burdened. I don't want you weighed down. I don't want you heavy laden. I don't want you discouraged. I don't want you to try to fix all the problems in the world. Why don't you just work on your world? And the apex of your world is relationship with me and relationship with others. Not relationship with the whole world, but those I've given you. Your family, your wife, your husband, your children, your immediate family, those in your church. That is your oikos. Uh, that's a, a Greek word that means your, your, your group, your fellowship, your posse. Let me use that. And we should focus on that and maximize those relationships and do what we can for God and leave the results to him. I want you to simplify your life. I, I feel somebody right now saying, I got to go clean out my closet. Yeah, it may start there, but simplify your life. Get some complexity out. Begin to start with taking inventory of what's really important of the things that clutter your life that are not even really important, the things that affect your emotions that are not really important, the things that occupy your space that are not really important, the things that are running your blood pressure up that are not even really important, the things that mess with you that are not even gonna matter 10,000 years from now in eternity, start with taking inventory of those things and start pressing delete on this one and start removing that one and start adjusting that one and start organizing a few things in your life and bring your life to a place of greater simplicity. You know, the Pareto principle says that that 20 percent of the causes produce 80 percent of the results. You've heard it probably in a business talk that says 20 percent of the people do 80 percent of the work. You know, that principle is true throughout life. If you really looked in your closet, you only wear 20 percent of your clothes. I hate to break it to you, my sister, but all those shoes that you have, all 125 pair, you only wear 20 percent of them. <laughs> yeah, you only wear 20 percent of them. It's true throughout all of life. And the same way that our closets can speak of complexity because they're so cluttered with so many things that we never, they never benefit us. We don't want to give it away because we may one day possibly need it. So we hold on to it. What emotions are we holding on to? Because we think we may one day. We have to decompress and get to the place our heart is free to soar with God. It's free to love God. It's free to worship God. It's free to give love to others. The reason God said, love your neighbor as you love yourself, is it's hard to love your neighbor unless you have love for yourself. And that's not some narcissistic self-love. That means that you're free enough to be okay with who you are and okay with the way God made you and okay with what he's given you. You don't have so much ambition. You can't sleep at night because you got to do this and you got to. No, God says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I don't give you complexity. I don't give you daily stress. I give you peace. I'm gentle. I'm lowly in heart. You'll find rest under your souls. It's my prayer. My prayer that as you're taking this journey that you simplify your life. Simplify your heart. Simplify your emotions. Get to the place where we don't live in such complexity anymore. We live in simplicity. Hey, there's only a limit as to what I can tell you in about 20 minutes. So ask God to download to you more about what this means for your life, more about what this looks like in your life. Ask him and he'll show you. Hey, I love you so much. Thank you so much, Kent, for allowing me to come and share with your team. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he give you peace. May simplicity be your mantra the remaining days of your this has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.